Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, November 29th, 2016. I'm Dan Petru. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and you can see Jordan and Anna. Anna's our newest now. She's a, a, death, a deaf kitten, and uh, but she's sleeping, so she won't even hear us. She can't argue with us. She, she doesn't care. Jordan, with the forever with the commentary of the excitement of the show. And I'm Michael yes. Marcello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, gentlemen, there were two games last night in the NHL, a light night. Um, usually Monday nights are pretty light. On, on you know, I, I'm not sure why. Um, Monday know, night football, maybe? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, competition that's Monday night football, the ratings have not been great. The game, I, I don't even know who, who the – I think the, the the Packers went over the Eagles. I, the I, Packers won, yeah. That's how out of tune I am with the NFL nowadays. Does the NBA play a lot on Mondays? Um, it's a good question. I'm not sure. You know, with arena availability and things like that. Yes, but see, you know what? There were there were like I was looking right now. There were like nine games last night in the NBA. And the NHL is always heavy on Tuesdays. It's always it seems like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are the NHL nights. So, um, so there were two games last night. One that I pay particular focus to because of the recent news that's been going on regarding the Calgary Flames and potential of them making some deals was between the Calgary Flames and New York Islanders at that wonderful facility in Brooklyn, the Barclays. Uh, it was a 2-1 victory for the Islanders over the Flames uh, with Thomas Hickey scoring an overtime goal. Dan, uh, one of the things that was brought up this morning was the fact that Ryan Strom, um, who has been well, mostly down the last couple of years, is not too happy about the fact that he's been a healthy scratch the last two games. I mean, is this something do you think that's going to get resolved in terms of maybe him being moved within season or? Is- <sighs> I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, you could you could scratch seven or eight of the forwards, and I wouldn't blink an eye. But it seems like he's the scapegoat, which is a little bit unfair. He hasn't been great, but I mean, like I said, I can name six or seven other forwards who have been terrible too. I just don't know where the Ryan Strom is. We saw his rookie year when he looked like the best player on the team for a large stretch of the season, uh, scoring 50 points. I know part of it's confidence. I know part of it is this horrible, outdated system that Capuano is playing. I know part of it is they have him on the wing. He's a skilled player, and they got him digging in the corner, which, you know, you guys know he's not going to win many of those battles just on size alone. doesn't even matter on effort. Uh, physics involved there. But I, he could be someone that gets moved. Um, I am. I would like to see him with a real coach and a real coaching staff before they before they gave up on him. I think it's a little because he has talent and he shows flashes of it. It's frustrating. I know a lot of it's between his head. I know a lot of it is the system and the way he's playing out of position. It just seems like a combination of things right now. Now, with that being said, if Ryan Strom was part of a package that got him a first line winger back, you know, someone that they desperately could use then obviously you consider it. But I am hesitant to give up on him right now. He's only 22 years old. Yeah, I wouldn't give up on him. I think the thing about Ryan Strom is you can't worry about where he was drafted. That's over with. You Agreed. put that to the side and you just right. look at him as a hockey player. I've watched him a lot, and I've seen him develop. I have. And I don't think he's regressed at all. I just think they haven't found just the same way they haven't found the right thing for Tavares. They haven't really found the right combination for him either. Right. And, and so I think he's stuck in the mud with this. And I think because Capuano knows that his job is really on the line, he mm-hmm. is now treating him sort of like a rookie and saying, you know what? I'm going to just play these veterans that are going to keep these games close. You're a little bit of a defensive liability. You're not scoring for me. I right. can't trust you. And I think that's where they're at. And, I, and it's not his fault. I think a, 
a ton of other teams would be interested in him if he were put on the trade market. There's no question about it. But they're not utilizing him right. I agree. Like I said, if you want him digging in the corner, playing a cycle game, that's not Ryan Strong. Not strong it's ridiculous. Enough. No, and that's nothing on his end. I mean, right. He's- Oh, well, this is an this is an interesting thing regarding Strowman and other players out there in terms of teams getting what I would say proper value for play. I mean, this is a, a top five pick. This is a kid who had a very good junior career, who had a very good first season in the NHL. He's he's a quality player, but the results of the last couple of years. I'm sure have knocked his value down. But the thing is, the Islanders, you know, it's not at a point now where they want to get rid of him and just get rid of him for any price. They want to get something in return for him. But you sort of, I mean, teams are not doing themselves any favors when they play players either out of position or in, in something that doesn't benefit them in terms of getting points. And now you've got a situation where, you know, this is a, this is a, 22-year-old kid who you should get a lot in return for, and they're probably not going to. Well, but, you know, and here's the problem with this, Mike. So when you have a coach whose job is on the line and maybe even a GM whose job is on the line, sometimes they don't talk or, you know, let's say they're not on the same page. They're not. And and, and that's the thing. Right now, if I'm the coach and I think I could get fired tomorrow, I don't really care what my GM thinks. I'm putting in the lineup the way I see it and the way I can keep my job for self-preservation purposes. And so they're not thinking about down the line, Mike. Jack Capuano is not even thinking about next year. I'm sure of that. He's trying to get past the Penguins and Capitals coming on a back-to-back, which might yeah. get ugly. You know, yeah. the, thing about, the thing about it is it's, you, know, you can move him to the wing. It's one of those things. It's either got to be position or style. Right. If, if you're going to move him to the wing, you can't play this, this, this in-the-corner cycle game with him. You can't. Or if you're going to play him at center, either play him at center or let him utilize his skill. And I see, I see nothing. I just see a player who has absolutely zero confidence and zero zero trust in himself. And i got to tell you, I've interviewed him a lot. He is a not good a kid. He's he a good a kid. Guy. He is a team guy. He's probably fed up. And he's not even saying he's fed up, but he's probably fed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and last night in watching that game, I mean, it's typical of the Islanders when they win. It's mostly or all John Tavares. He gets a little bit. He gets the goal in regulation. He gets an assist on Hickey's goal in overtime. You know, and you cannot rely completely on just John Tavares to win. I, I really did not see any significant contribution out of any of the other lines. I mean, that's well, here, you know, you know, here's the thing about that game, Mike. I I told my best friend, who's an Islander fan, that. Let's see, the Islanders have to win this game, but they have to show they have a heartbeat because that team that I saw in Calgary that had – not in Calgary, in Philly, when I saw that Calgary team, they had no legs. They had very little desire in the offensive zone, and so apparently they cleaned up their game a little bit, but the Islanders probably did not put on a good enough offensive performance to really showcase how bad Calgary can be at times. Philly yeah, did. I, yeah, I saw two bad teams playing last night. Right, and that's the thing. So they just – they edged out a team that's slightly worse than them. And actually the best shot on Brian Elliott in the third period was from his own teammate. I think it was TJ Brody off a faceoff, directed the puck toward the net, almost put it in his own net with about a minute left to go in regulation. So now interesting that Arthur Staple reported last night that 15 teams were represented in the press box at Barclays. Didn't specify how, which team. I know he, he named a few. Tampa, Chicago, Philadelphia were a few of the teams. I think Colorado was there. 
yeah, um, I, I would be shocked if Toronto wasn't there because, you know, and I've been writing about this the last couple of days because it seems to be gaining a little momentum. There's a lot of stuff going on between Toronto and Calgary, even though uh, Darren Drager this morning said he talked to Brad for living the uh, Calgary general manager and asked him point blank whether there was anything going on between the Leafs and the and the Flames and, and for living said no but you know, why would he say yes yeah, he would exactly. never say yes yeah exactly you know you, you know, and yeah you, I'm working on a deal and here's what it is right but um that's like that's like being an undercover cop and wearing a t-shirt that says undercover uh Kyle Dubas was in Buffalo scouting the Calgary Sabres game last week Treliving was in Toronto on Saturday, and and Russ spotted Dave Morris and the Leafs ahead of scouting at the Philadelphia game. So I would assume that Toronto had a presence in Brooklyn last night. Now the, all the talk is seemed to be seems to be settled around you know Hamilton and possibly T.J. Brody, who has had a really bad season so far. But the thing is. You know, if you look at Calgary's defense, other than those two guys, yeah, they're not moving those guys. Giordano's well, on um, um, Russ, unless they yeah, do. unless you're getting William Nylander, they're not moving those guys. Right, right, or or unless you know, you got to remember who the uh, the team president there is. If they okay, if they have bought into the fact that they don't think Hamilton's a good fit there, and I you know I I, I can't you know. I mean, I know that they've had a bad season and a bad quarter of a season with Hamilton on the roster. From what I've been told from someone in Calgary who watches almost every Flames game, uh, it's sort of a Jay Bomeister situation where Hamilton has doesn't play well with Giordano, doesn't play well with Weidman, doesn't play well with Brody. He just doesn't fit, and he's your highest-paid defenseman. So if that's the case and they need scoring help, which you know right now they're without Goudreau, I mean, then – you could see something, and and I'm the the Leafs are not going to be the only suitors for Dougie Hamilton if he truly is out there. But you know he is exp- that is an expensive contract. It is almost almost six. It million is, dollars. but he's young, and and like I said, I saw him have a really good game against the Flyers. So I I'm I'm buying that he is part of a team right now in turmoil. I don't think they're going to get rid of those two. I I know that you think that because of Burke, he's always going to go after a Burke guy, somebody that was there like Gardner or somebody like that, I don't think he'd want any part of that. I really do think if they were to trade Hamilton or Brody, the Leafs would have to trade Nylander. They wouldn't even take, you know, it would ha- I mean, they wouldn't even take anything lower than that because, again, the price of defensemen like this in this league is very high. Even though Hamilton may be their highest paid contract, it's not an unaffordable contract. And and so when you, when you look at that situation – True Living's going to look at it long term, more long term than than, Bur- than Burke will. That's for sure. And there's no way those are two guys they can't afford to get rid of. Well, I mean, the, the reason I the reason I always go back to to Burke trading for guys that he used to have is because he, he that's what he did in Toronto. I mean, yeah. he, he did it with he brought. But he it, hasn't been doing it in Calgary. It's well, he's, he's team president. True Living, True Living is is the is the manager. Maybe it's you know he is truly in control. Yeah, he doesn't have his finger on the button anymore. That's the difference. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, we do know that defensemen are going to be expensive, especially a defenseman who is in his early twenties, twenties, and is locked up for another four years. So, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with with your, you know, your analysis that it might have to be, you know, first of all, they're never trading Matthews, they're never trading Marner, so don't even right. waste your time. Nealander is somebody I wrote something yesterday about this. A lot of talent, but Babcock is already pressing buttons. 
He's already, you know, all of a sudden he came up with an upper body injury after he'd been skating in the morning, skate on Saturday. You know, all of a sudden, and, you know, they put in uh, Peter Holland into the lineup, and now magically on Monday he's back practicing, but he's on the fourth line. He's not even back playing with Matthews. So he's pressing buttons. He's nudging him. And this goes back to Nylander, back to the Calder Cup playoffs, uh, that, you know, Sheldon Keith, the Marlies coach, was saying we need more out of this guy he wasn't he didn't show up and then he scored a hat trick he's got all the talent in the world russ but the thing is if you have to keep pressing that button eventually he'll tune you out he's 20 years old i know right. that but 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 he's a kid you right. gotta push buttons with austin matthews matthews right. is gonna yeah, hit walls I, I don't think so i, I really don't i mean I'll, I'll i'll agree with mike but but i get in theory what dan is saying is true of all young players matthews is a little different that way but doesn't matter. You're going to have to at some point probably do that too. Yeah, I mean, look, I look at Calgary and those two defensemen have great wheels and know how to get into the offensive zone. That's enough to get big-time jobs in this league, and it's enough not to get traded. That's what I'm looking at. Right, and and maybe – it may be a smaller deal. It may be them trying to jettison Weidman's $5 million contract. It I mean, may... that would be the smarter thing to do. That's a bad deal. That's that's That handcuffs your team more than having Hamilton on your roster. Correct. Right, but and but the thing is, it's an expiring contract, and you probably will be able to move that deal sure. before the deadline. So, and, and you might be able to retain some money if you want to get a better return. So it's let's just say this. it's gonna. Be, we know that the deadline is going to be – a little more interesting this year simply because the expansion factor is going to be there. We, we know that it'll be limited because of, because of uh, cap restrictions, but you know, there are going to be teams that are, are going to move players out because, you know, they might have a risk of losing them in expansion. So I, I have a feeling that, you know, I, 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 you know, the free agent pool is really bad this upcoming summer, but I think that expansion will sort of counteract that and make the deadline a little more interesting. Um, the other game last night was a four through four three St. Louis Blues victory over the Dallas Stars. Uh, Russ Dallas still struggling. They got two of their three goals out of Jamie Alexiak. Not exactly the reincarnation of uh, of, uh, of uh, Paul Coffey. I mean, no, but you know what? He's got a great nickname, the Big Rig. But here's the thing: with bigger guys like that, it does take a while for them to click. And I applaud Dallas for never giving up on him because he is a big guy who happens to have pretty good stick and puck skills for a guy his size. And do I think he's ever getting 10 goals in a season? No. But do I think that, you know, he could take up a lot of room on the ice and help you move the puck up the ice? Yes. And I think it's starting to come through for him, and I'm happy. I mean, actually, as we know, it's his sister, right, that was actually winning gold in, in, uh, in the Olympics, in the Winter Olympics for Canada. But this guy can play. And and so, like, I don't want to even say, well, yeah, you know, he doesn't get that many goals and, yeah, they got two lucky goals out of him, whatever. I'm more happy for the guy because I see that he's been improving lately. I do understand that Jamie Benn's frustrated, though, because he feels like his team is sort of hemorrhaging points at, at key, in key games. And I get that. And that is, that is something that could keep him out of the playoffs. You know, right now they're just hanging in there. And that's where I think – Jamie Benn is a good leader, even for a young player, for the young age he's at, because he really wants to win. But that team, they still have problems. They do. Well, and Julius Harker had a couple assists as, as well. So. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that just for a second, because and unless Lindy 
benches Klingberg. We don't even see Julius Honka. And right. that has to lay on Lindy's feet because I am sure they wanted to bring up Honka before this. We've talked about Honka for a year and a half. Right. I just got done talking about him again a couple weeks ago on Sirius Radio. Like, we're all waiting for him. He's up and he's playing great. But the only reason he's playing is because another guy got benched. Right. Yep. And and Lind- Lindell was recalled. From- he has to be. He's a good puck-moving defenseman. Lindell can play as well, too. It's yeah, There's – there's just you know, they got hit with the injuries. They had the weird off season. Nikushkin goes to Russia. Their their forwards are just a mess. They were never a bunch of stalwarts on defense. Their defense is, is a mess too. We know what their goaltending is. There's just something wrong there. I'm not quite sure what it is. I know they got hit with a ton of injuries, but there's something wrong in that locker room between the roster and the coach. Yeah, and uh, and they lose they lose Alex Hemsky for pro- probably the season. I think it was five or six. It's terrible. But that's you know I you know while we say that's a loss because he's a top six guy, he's an up and down guy. I don't think that killed him. Yeah. Um, the expanded roster for the Team Canada uh, entry into the 2017 World Juniors was announced uh, around noon today. Um, just to name a couple players on the on the list here, um, and you know a few of them will be familiar to for to everybody here. But Matthew Barzell. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, third pick overall, Julian Gauthier, Tyson Yost, Michael McLeod, Nolan Patrick, who's had an injury-plagued year so far, Taylor Radish, who was somebody that I thought the, the Leafs might take late in the first round, who ended up getting taken in the second round, is having a really good year with the Erie Otters, uh, Zach Sinitian, Blake Spears, Dylan Strom, on, that's a forward on defense, Jake Bean, uh Thomas Shabbat, the first-round pick of the Ottawa Senators, Dante Fabro, Samuel Girard, Noah Juleson, former first of the Montreal Canadiens. And he's um, also had injuries, but he's he's worth it. Yeah. Uh, Victor Mede uh, from London, Philippe Myers, and goaltenders Carter Hart. Carter Hart will be the starter, I would think. Um, you would think. Yeah, Connor, well, Connor Ingram and Michael McNiven. Uh, from Kamloops and Owen Sound are the other two goaltenders. I would think Hart will definitely make uh, that list. I, you can't say definitely because he's probably the youngest guy, right? So the thing is, McNiven's a guy who is a really good workhorse kind of a goalie. I don't think he's in the same league as the other two. Hart, you just have to see could he handle a series like this because he's never had anything like this in his life. He's been able to handle everything that's come his way, but – you have to see how he looks in camp. You really have to be fair about it. And Ingram is really good. I mean, Ingram is great with his stick. He's a very athletic goalie. He is going to give him a real run for his money. I, I think it will be hard, too, but I think Ingram will be the next guy. I think that's the guy who really gives him a, a run for his money. I really I like this team. I mean, I argued Samuel Gerrard to death about two weeks ago because he's five foot nine. but he, if anybody watched any of that Canada-Russia series, he was the fastest guy on the ice. And if he was pinching at one end, he was back to make a defensive play in that same sequence. So he's a guy who I really am high on and hope he makes it. Jeremy Lawson, I talked about him a few times with Ty on the show. He was not a first-round pick for the Boston Bruins, but he's going to be an NHL or the same way Brandon Carlo is. And so even though the Bruins get sort of picked on for that first round, you know, the couple of defensemen they took after, they're they're good picks. So he, he's going to add some of that physical – nature that you need to uh to have on defense they didn't go with like logan stanley so they didn't go with 
the predictable. We need a big size guy. They went more, they went more with a speedy blue line. You can they try. went with a speedy blue line with Lawson being some of the um, muscle. Myers has a little bit of a physical side, and he looked great in in Flyers camp. And so I've been high on him all you know for two years now yeah, since man. I saw him in camp last year. And look, Fabro is smart as hell. I mean, Clegg is very good at everything. Shabbat is elite. Like this is. Noah Juleson, like he had been overcoming injuries, but this is a guy who plays a complete game too and has offense. This is maybe the best defensive core I've seen from them in a long time. And it's hard to argue any of these guys, but I think what they finally got over is I could not look at this team definitively and tell you the fourth line guys yet. And so that's a good sign. Um, Well, I mean, right now it looks like Barzil and Strom would be the top two centers. I mean, Sam Steele's having a phenomenal year in the Western League right now. Uh, Dubois probably factors in on the wing on the top two lines. And this team could get stronger because there's a possibility of Lawson Krause being sent back by the by Arizona. Uh, he And he's played in the World Junior before. Um, so th- there's that possibility. And not that this is going to happen, but this is a, just a commentary on how good these players are this young. Connor McDavid and Matt and Mitch Marner are junior eligible. Are eligible yeah. for this tournament? Not that it's going to happen, but just the point that don't think the Oilers are going to let McDavid go. Yeah, and I don't think the Leafs are going to are going to let Marner go either. I thought, no. I thought early in the season when I was concerned, when a lot of people were concerned, including me, about Marner's size, thought you know they would go, they would let him play thirty games or so, go to the World Junior, and then you know evaluate from there. He's staying. I just you know, have tw- points. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick about Marner. Actually, make your points, and I'll make mine because mine's okay. a bigger picture. Go ahead. The, remember, Mike, Dubois could still play center for them. It depends how they want to use him. So we don't yeah. know exactly how they're going to go with him in that. We know we know what, like, Columbus would suggest, but this is Team Canada and Hockey Canada, they don't care, right? Yeah, so it depends on who else, who else makes a team. If they want, right. if they want to go big up the middle and they they, they – they, McLeod stay, or if they, you know, right. can play center. I mean, they have a number of guys who can't. There's going to be centers playing other positions. There's yeah. no question about yeah. it. With Team Canada, that's always the case. Yeah, and um, the other thing is, and even if you were going to have a fourth line, a guy like Brett Howden on the fourth line, it would be tremendous because he still has really good offensive ability too. So I, I, I got to say, this is the happiest I've ever been for a Team Canada roster in a while. Now, that makes me unhappy as a Team USA fan. I'll say that. Now, I'm not sure – and, I'm, Dan, you can make your point in a second. I'm not sure when Team USA makes their announcement. But if Team USA – and then I'm, I'm not putting on a Maple Leaf hat here. I'm just saying because this guy is dominating the OHL right now. If you do not choose Jeremy Bracco this time – Why around, wouldn't he be on the team? You guys he, are in – He wasn't last year. He wasn't last year. I know, but why, he, why wouldn't he be this year? There's no way he's not on the well, team. Listen, right? there's always a way – with Team USA, you're right. They're right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was baffling that he wasn't invited last year. This year, he was invited to their summer camp, so there, it's more than likely he's in the loop and he's having a great year right now in Kitchener. But we and we don't know the reasons why. Maybe it was because he left U.S. College five games into the season and went to the OHL. I don't know. All I know is that it was stupid, and and Team USA was. So so much the worst. It hurt. it hurt because the year before that, he and Matthews were the top scorers like for Team USA and, and pretty much in the tournament. And and that hurt not having that the year after. And I'm sure Team USA, even though it seems like a fate to come play with Austin Matthews, I am sure they're calling the Leafs to chat about that anyhow, because you have to. Yeah. 
So right. it's, not, it's not happening. Happening. But go ahead, make your point. Uh, Dan. Well, we're gonna talk about you know we're talking about Marner and you know people are concerned about size and whatnot. It seems like that seems to be what we won't talk about size anymore. There's if you can play, it's it seems we talk about skating ability now. You know, ten years ago, oh this guy's too small, this guy's too small. Now it's like this guy's too slow. I don't care that he's six four. I don't care that he's six five. I think if you can skate and you have a really good IQ, you can play. It doesn't matter whether you're five six or six five. I think the thing we always talk about now is oh he's kind of a tweener his skating isn't good enough oh his starts and stops aren't good enough as opposed to he's five nine well but there is a quiet at at the draft not all teams are on board with that dan so there is i think a lot more teams are though as, as opposed to five ten years ago yeah but there's still sort of this quiet bias against height that you will see pop up every once in a while like alex the brinkett last year yeah wait, it's, wait, not wait, a lot, wait it's not as bad as it used to be Wait for the draft in Chicago and tell me that there's not going to be bias when Kaylor Yamamoto comes up, who's five foot nine and 175 pounds. Yeah. You know, he's pro- you know based on talent and the way he's producing right now in the WHL, he should be a top five pick. He probably will not be because he's only five nine. And and then a couple of years later, everybody acts all surprised and the player's great. It's funny. Right. Now, and the thing is that Marner is not exactly small. He's 5'10", 5'11", although they list him at six foot. He's 165 pounds. Right. Just to give you just to give you an example for Yamamoto, not only does he have 31 points in 21 games, 17 are goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can play. He can yeah. Fly. But but the but the thing is about Marner is that he's very elusive. Yes. Yeah. He's not. He's like, really smart too. His hockey IQ is off the charts. Yeah. His he's. I mean, it. He does not have McDavid speed. He's got no. good, but that's not blazing. He's just smart. He's he's aware. And and even though he's small, he hasn't shied away from going in the corners, uh, right. or throwing we, a hit every once in a while, blocking shots, which I'm sure the Leafs don't want him to do because you know he, he's he's damaging his pins. But he's you know he's been blocking shots. Why don't we Why don't we go into this quarter season? Yeah, well, that, was, that we're going to talk hard. about and lead in with the Calder since. We're talking about some of these guys, so we can continue that. Yeah, that's that was well, exactly where I was. That's at. a professional segue. Yeah, thank you, and you just ruined it, Russ. By I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't know if you were on that wavelength or not. Sorry, but yes, I mean this is a very broad and very quality uh, rookie class this year, like last year, and like when we looked at you know a third of the way or halfway through the season, it wasn't just McDavid. Uh, I mean, Gostaspier had just been called up, I think, toward about at the 20 game mark yeah. and Panarin, Panarin started off great, but you know, Domi and Eichel and Larkin. And there was just so many, I, I would say Pareko, there was just so many in this class. And I think this year is almost as good, but we, they, they only nominate three. So at right, right now, if you could only, if you were limited to three, who would you pick Russ? All right. My three people can go crazy if they want. I still have Austin Matthews in there because he's playing the center position. And he's a plus on the year. So when you're playing the center position and a, as a rookie and you're a plus on the year and you're going up against some of the best talent in the NHL, that is huge. That, that like, ranks really high in the charts. Line A is still in there, obviously. He's probably the leader. And Zach Wierenski is my third. And, and that, that means no Mitch Marner, no Matt Murray. Now, Murray's only played eight games. He needs to play a lot more before I can put him in there. Dan? Uh, in order of how I would be voting right now, I would have Marner three, I would have Line A two, 
and I would have Warinsky at one. Obviously, this is just right now. I fully expect by the end of the year Austin Matthews to be around 70 points and whatnot. But, look, if you got it is hard to play defense in this league. It is hard to break into this league into a top six capacity. It's even harder for a 19-year-old to break into a top four capacity. To be the best defenseman on your team at 19 and possibly put up 50-something points, that means a lot to me, and that's why I think Wierenski is is right now who I would give the rookie of the year to. But there are so many great candidates. You might have five or six guys with 55-plus points. And yeah. right now, I think the most impressive thing about Wierenski is the fact that he's carrying that team, not by himself, but carrying that team on his back in yep. the playoff spot. And that can't be underestimated when it comes yeah. to you know, him. He's Right now, my three nominees would be Wierenski, Line, and Matthews. Uh, and I think right now, Wierenski would win it. But... I, I, you know, the thing is that I'm concerned about from a Toronto perspective is if it gets to the point, you know, maybe, you know, maybe line A drops off a little bit and it ends up being Matthews, Marner, and whoever, let's say Wierenski, that the Toronto vote will be split. And that, that can happen. Yeah. And that, they, I mean, there, there haven't been many instances recently where there have been two rookies in the two rookies in the Calder from the same team. So that would yeah, be. Yeah, so I can't, I can't I can't remember the last time that that would, be, that would have been the case, but you know the, uh, you know that there's a sizable portion of that voting block that you know that uh, one will I mean it could be Matthews Marner one two and other guys do the same thing and a guy like Wierenski, and not to say sneaks in because he would deserve it because he's having a phenomenal year but the Toronto vote so to speak would be split and that. Mm-hmm. They have, by the way, they have not had a rookie of the year in Toronto since 1965. So, if they don't have it this year with the crop of rookies that they do have, you know, still might um, not happen though. Yeah. Um, now, bunch of games on on the docket tonight, but I wanted to uh, before we get into that. Wait, I thought we had more awards. Yeah, we do. And yeah, we do. Yeah, 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 come on, let's go. What are we doing? Okay, I quit. Um, yes. Okay. That's all it takes. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we're just past the quarter mark and believe me, I said quarter poll on, on, on social media and like, this is not the quarter poll. And like all these, ra- all these racing fanatics, this isn't the quarter poll. The quarter poll is when there's a quarter of the race left. I mean, sh- stick it. Okay? But by the way, why is, isn't the NASCAR season still going on? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know. Yeah, like, it's, look, 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 NASCAR. Here's the thing. Like, okay, I, I'm not a huge NASCAR fan. I get its popularity. It's cool. Going to a race is fun. But you got to be done before the NFL season starts. Now, it, this is all you have to say about NASCAR. Their Super Bowl is the first race of the year. It's true. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that. That's, that, that, that's, that's all. Daytona is the first race of the year. So Send when, all complaints to Mike and Buffalo. Yeah, there, there you go. Okay, okay Trump voters. Um, okay, Two teams. Oh, so you said all your complaints to Mike and Buffalo. Wait, two teams. I thought we were doing a Norris Trophy. Ah, this Norris show. Trophy, yes. Jeez. Two teams that have surprised you so far at the quarter mark. Two teams that have disappointed you. At we're the not quarter. doing Norris? We'll do the Norris. Well, we want okay. to do it now. You're outvoted. Yeah. Okay, I'm outvoted. Let's do the Norris. <laughs> right. I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go first this time. Um, go number Number three, I would put Victor Hedman. Uh, just another really strong season, and like look, that that team is just so well run and so well coached, and has a 
a fan of a team who is not well run and not well coached. I get very jealous. Uh, but if you look at that team, everything runs through him. They haven't missed the – like, look, obviously there's going to be a little dip without Stamkos, but that team is still so strong and so talented and so deep, and, and it runs through Hedman. I think I would put him at number three. I think he's had a fantastic season. Uh, I would t- I would put uh, Mr. Burns at number two, uh, another strong – Really good season from him. You're seeing a little, you know, always the knock on him was his playing his own end. I think he's actually improved in his own end. Look, he's not going to be Larry Robinson. He's not going to be Chris Pronger in his own end. But I think he's gone from a below average defender to maybe like a B minus. And when you put up that many points, that's really good. Uh, but I would give it to one guy only this year. Um, you know, it was traded in the offseason. People thought it was, you know, people thought it was a bad trade. Now, maybe down the road, including myself, down the road, it might be a better trade for Nashville, but my God, Shea Weber is exactly what the Canadians needed. This is not a knock on P.K. Subban. He's one of my favorite players. It's just the fit. The fit there is perfect for the Canadians, and he has been amazing. So if I had right now, through a quarter of a season, I would give it to Shea Weber. Uh, Russ? Okay. Well, this one's going to be probably not to everybody's liking, but that's okay. Uh, and I'm not going to do it in – I don't have an order like you guys, but – Shea Weber is on my list. That's to me, he he's an absolute no-brainer. Just the way he's changed the team and everything else, it's crazy. So Shea Weber is one. The second guy on my list is Eric Carlson. Everybody can still sort of rip on Eric Carlson, but this guy, he's got 17 points. He's averaging 27 minutes a night. Averaging, Leads the league in blocks. Leads the league in block shots. Which is crazy. And mm-hmm. Ottawa would be nowhere <laughs> without him. I mean, absolutely nowhere. Now, the third one's tough because, like you said, Burns is a great player. I, You know what? I would put Zach Wierenski in it. I'm telling you, he's yeah, had that much not? of an impact. I looked at his minutes. I looked at who he's playing against. Yeah. Like, he, he's a, a top defenseman. Like, he, I, I, he's a rookie, but he's a top defenseman, too. I put Zach Wierenski in there, too. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 was, I was seriously considering it, and – um, I mean, right now I had Weber, I had Hedman, and you know, honestly, uh, I mean, Burns is leading leading the league with twenty points. I still cannot get over, you know, it's the same thing with Carlson. They're great offensively, but I see Carlson get walked around a couple times, and I say I cannot vote for this guy for the doors when he can't. The problem. All defensemen get walked around. They do. You gotta get beat from time. You get beat from time to time. But here's the thing: whenever like Burns or Carlson get beat, everybody's like, "Oh, look at that! They got beat." They're not. There seems to be a stigma because the guys put up 75 points. If you put up a point a game in this league, which most forwards can't do, and you're just an average defenseman, I think you'd sign up for that. Yeah, I mean, I had I had the same three that you did, Dan, and I I would say right now Weber's got to win it because I mean. I, first of all, I think most of the success in Montreal is based on Carey Price being healthy, but you can't ignore the fact that Weber has solidified their blue line. You know, they're depending less on Markov, and I think, you know, uh, you know, him being – his minutes being down a little bit has enabled him to actually score more, be playing on the power Petrie's play. been good too. Petrie's been good. Yeah, Petrie's Petrie's always been good. Emelin is a professional assassin. Uh, yep. And is, you know, is allowed to go out there and be the, be the cheap shot artist that he is, but he can play his role. I mean, he, you know, there, and but but 
I don't think if if Subban was there that all the pieces would have fallen into place. They probably would have had to play the other guys more to cover up for well to cover up for what Terrian thought were Subban's defensive flaws. So, but I, you know, right now, I mean, it's a quarter into the year, and injuries happen, a few other things happen. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. But okay. yeah, by the end of the year, you're still going to hear from Duncan Keith. You're going to still hear from Roman Yossi. You're still going to hear yeah. from Drew Dowdy. Just like in the you know, Calder, you're going to hear from Austin Matt. It, it's 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 only it's very early. It's early. But, uh, it, it's very I, early. Yes. Ryan, Mc, Ryan McDonough, even though he doesn't have a goal yet, he, he's he's had a fantastic close. season. He's that had a fantastic great. season. Yep. Yeah. He's healthy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, I think the range the Rangers have benefited from giving more ice time to young guys like Shea. Shea's been good. Shea's been really good. Shea's Nick been Holden's really been solid. Yeah, Nick Holden the last couple of weeks has been better. I didn't like him at the beginning. He's he's fit, he's fitting well. Shea has been unbelievably great. Like Shea's he's been better great. than I thought. Shea offensively is showing offensive intelligence that I didn't, I wasn't sure was there. I knew he'd right. be solid in his own end. Yeah. yeah, I knew he'd move a puck. I knew he'd be strong on his skates. Uh, the, some of the plays he's making offensively are, are eye opening. Yeah. Okay, I'll go first on the two um, surprise teams so far okay. and the two uh, disappointing teams. Surprise number one: I thought they were going to make the playoffs. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they are. Are the New York Rangers? I, you know, I, I mean, Lundqvist is having a great year. Jimmy, Jimmy Z comes in. Sorry, Dan. Uh, why, 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 he's been great. I know, but I'm just saying, you know. You, you know I don't hate him. I hated the circuits that, of how he got to where he is. No, but, I just wanted to talk about him as a hockey player. Right, and the thing was. And he's I mean, an outstanding hockey player. Yeah, and, and, and they, you know, they have definitely benefited from benefited from that from Kevin Hayes coming in after losing 20 pounds. I mean, the, the Zabinijan injury is a, is a bit of a hit, but they so far they haven't seemed to be phased and they have a plus 28 goal differential. So they're, they're surprise team number one. And then number two is Columbus. Uh, I mean, right now with Wierenski, with Bobrovsky, not having his usual, uh, you know, November uh, injury that keeps him out for six to eight weeks. They've avoided that, 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 early season slump you know, and usually they have to play like 750 hockey to make the playoffs in the second half right now you know they're leading the leading wild card team in the east and they're they're playing i mean they're playing really well and tortorella should get some credit although some you know some people don't want to give him credit because he's so dislikable no you have to give him credit yeah, when you have to give him credit yeah he, he, for, for to, to, he, to coach, coach oh, oh, i lost my mic damn it, damn it. <laughs> Always funny. I was just about to do one earlier. It never um, gets old. It's so weird. But um, you know, Tortorella can coach in this league, and he can coach over a long haul, over an 82-game season. I don't think that's ever been in question. I just wouldn't want him to, with my best-skilled players of my country to try to try and win a, th- a two-week tournament. I, wouldn't, I don't think he's a good fit there. I think he's a good fit for the grind of an NHL season. And you know what? He gets, he gets knocked a lot. He's hard on young players, and they eventually run him out of town when they become older. See Le Cavalier in St. Louis. But he is good with young players. Yeah. Uh, the two disappointing teams for me, one is Calgary. I thought they would be a lot better than this. I thought they would contend for a playoff spot in the Pacific. They're, you know, the, the first sign was Brian Elliott. He's not a savior goaltender. He's at best a competent goalie, but their defense has been terrible. Um, the other one – 
I sorry, Dan, that it's the Islanders. So I, why are you I, apologizing? Yeah, no, Wait no. Till you get to me and let me choose my teams. Okay, well, it's the Islanders. I mean, I, it, it doesn't have to be explained. They're just been a train wreck this year. Okay, you go, go ahead, Dan. Actually, we have the same two teams for disappointments. Uh, we have Cal- Calgary. I think the bigger problem in Calgary is they can't play team defense. Right. Collectively, as a team, they cannot right. play defense. Right. Their forwards and their defensemen are not on the same page. I think Elliott's okay. I don't think he's a superstar goalie, but they would be better if they had some kind of defensive system as a team. Yeah. And it, it, it's just, it's not – I thought it was Hartley. It's just it, – it's that collective group of players. They can they, – I don't know what it is. But it's bad right now. I thought they'd get it fixed, and they have not. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think there's a team more disappointing than the Islanders. They're an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, you can use any analogy you want. You can go to my Twitter timeline. You can read my articles to describe what I'm feeling about it. It's just an unmitigated disaster. I'm not. I'm going to spare everyone with any more detail. It's just they are just an absolute. Okay, moving on. The teams that I, I have been really impressed with this year. I thought Edmonton would be better. I thought they'd sniff a playoffs. I laughed at Echo when he picked them to win the division. They are really, they are really good. They're a lot better. And Connor McDavid can really cover some because you know, they still have problems. They do. They definitely still have problems. They're still not great defensively. They're better. They're absolutely better in the blue line. No, last eleven, they're not great. No, but they're still better. But Connor McDavid can hide, can hide some problems. Like the fact that their blue line still isn't great. Like the fact that Everly's been okay. Like the fact that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is MIA. It's amazing what a superstar can can kind of gloss over. And you look at some of the early Crosby teams, they weren't that good. But they were still there because of Sidney Crosby. And I think that's I think you can see that correlation right there. And also, I've been really impressed with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, gloss over. And you look at some of the early Crosby teams, they weren't that good. But they were still there because of Sidney Crosby. And I think that's I think you can see that correlation right What now. is happening? And twice. Yeah, that was weird. Okay. And, all right, anyway, about the Blue Jackets. Uh, I think they've been really good this year. Bobrovsky, look, we all knew that this team wasn't that bad last year, and they were a borderline playoff team with Bobrovsky. Um, but what Wierenski has done is he's taken pressure off of Seth Jones. Right. And letting him, you know, go into his role maybe as a two or a three, taking pressure off of Ryan Murray, who uh, who hasn't been that great, uh, but who has been, you know, I, I, I still think. I think again, you have to forget where he was drafted. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. If you take out where he's been drafted, I think you're okay with his progression. Right. And once again, Wierenski has been so great that you can take you can you can take some of the pressure off of him, and he kind of can just do his job, and whatever happens happens. And, and he, you've also taken Jack Johnson and Savard. Who are not top four defensemen right. and put them in much more manageable roles. And collectively, we knew they could score. Collectively, it's working. And anything you can get out of them is gravy, basically. Yeah, exactly. Just don't lose me a game. I think you know. I think them as a five and a six and a four and a five is so much more palatable than one two and your number one power play unit. Right, Russ. All right. So my two that are you know been horrible are Calgary and the Islanders. Like we've been through this a bunch of times. I'm not even going to elaborate anymore because everybody, have to. Yeah, everybody knows how I feel. The, the other two, I, I'm going to go with the Ottawa Senators because yes. Boucher has done a tremendous job. If you look at their scoring, they're not getting a lot of scoring. No, they're not. Carlson's leading the team. Kyle Turris has the quietest 10 goals in the league, by the way, the quietest. Nobody's ever talking about it. Nobody's saying Kyle Turris is 10. He could get 30. Nobody's mentioned it, but but he's second on the team in scoring, tied with Stone. 
Then you got Hoffman with 12 points, Ryan Zingle with 11, and Derek Broussard with nine. And it's just, it's like, it, you know, it falls off the map goal-wise. But they've been opportunistic. They win games. Craig Anderson's been great. Yes. Even Mike Condon's got a 1.95 in relief. Yep. Like, everything's worked. And, and Guy Boucher is definitely a Coach of the Year candidate at the moment, which doesn't mean he'll be fired the year after. I'm just saying he's a Coach of the Year candidate, a Jack Adams guy. And, and so I've been really impressed with them. I'll see them Thursday. And we'll see um, what they look like live. I mean, even Dion Phaneuf, you know, him and Bobby Ryan are having okay years, and it doesn't matter right now. And I think that's an important thing. Columbus Blue Jackets are the other one. Wenberg's been tremendous. He has. He really has progressed amazingly, and that's been good. Wierenski has just been unbelievable. I, I think the other things are good. I think their overall defense, now that everybody's been pushed down, like Dan said, positional-wise, you know, everybody got moved down a level. That's helped them. And they have just enough offense. You know, even a guy like Scott Hartnell is not dead. You know, I know what the, the, the thing is in Philly, his contract was killing him. It wasn't his play. Right. He knew it and the team knew it, but some of the fans didn't seem to know it. Real quick, too, a guy on the, on the Blue Jackets I forgot to mention, we, he's a really good hockey player. He, he might be in that category now of most underappreciated or underrated players of the year uh, in, this, of the, in the league. Cam Atkinson's a really good hockey player. He just seems to score. He can, seems to be getting better and better each year. And he might have another 30 goal season this year. But yet his name has been out there for the last couple of years. I take him in a second. Yeah, in, in terms of trade, I remember there were a lot of there was a lot of talk about him going to Boston. You know, I, I saw you know some some uh, expansion list that had him being exposed. That's crazy. Yeah, his I, contract isn't bad. It's a, it's no. a manageable contract. And he and he took what twenty five stitches the other day and mm. came back and, and won a game for him a week ago. No, that was uh, that was what's his name? That wasn't that wasn't Atkinson. No, that was uh, was it Garbutt? Not Garbutt. Um, hold on, I'll get his name. Okay. Uh, let's see here. It was Calvert, Matt Calvert. Oh, Matt Calvert. Sorry, yeah, yeah. but I do like Atkinson. Atkinson leads the team in scoring. He's got a point a game, twenty points. It just seems to get better every season. Every season, he keeps ticking up from 21 goals to 22 goals to 27 goals, 53 points last year, uh, and, you know, a point a game this year as well. Well, I'm glad someone convinced me to take Wenberg in the second round on my Stratomatic hockey draft because uh, that, that was a, an inspired pick. Who convinced uh, you to do that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Some guy, he just, he's a pain in the ass. But Some guy drafted Zach Wierenski in the 20th round of his fantasy league. Yeah, okay. Good for you. All right, uh, there are a ton of games on Tuesday night, tonight. Um, the rematch, and the funny thing is, I'm exposed to, on the radio and on television, the, the advertising beforehand for, like, and, and I went to the game in Toronto early November where it was, it was billed as, you know, the battle between Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. Now it's being advertised as the battle between Connor McDavid and Nazem Kadri because Nazem Kadri shut down Connor McDavid in the game uh, in Toronto, uh, scored two goals, including a game the game winner in overtime where he where McDavid was draped all over him and and Kadri beat uh, Cam Talbot for the for the winner. Um, so now they uh, the Leafs start a three game road trip a West Western Canada road trip in Edmonton. McDavid last year, I think he scored five points against the Leafs. Now that was the 30th place tanking Leafs, not this team. But I'm expecting McDavid to show up. And he, Russ, Kadri got underneath his skin. And for, after that game, I believe that was when McDavid won goalless in 10 games. 
Yeah, no, Kadri did get under his skin, and everybody's writing articles about him, and I'm happy for the guy because, you know, I felt like he was a better player than maybe some of the press he was getting. Look, there are players that had their ups and downs. There's Everybody's got pluses and minuses in their play, but he's been bringing it for him every game. Like, you can't deny it. And yep. he does I, – I will say this. Mike Babcock has had the best – influence on that player over anybody else on that roster that I can think of at the moment. And, and that's something. I agree with that. And Kadri's got nine goals this year, but there is a difference between him being dramatically improved defensively. And as some people are writing right now, a candidate for the Selkie. No, I wouldn't write that. I'm I'm, like, I'm, you know, you know, I'm yet to be a believer. Okay, I, I've Sean seen Avery it. would have been a candidate for the Selkie too on those nights where he would get under a big star skin too, right? Yeah. Right, Claude Lemieux. Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, as you said, Dan, you know the the Oilers are dramatically improved. I think defensively, there's still some question marks. Oh, absolutely, but they're better. They're better. They and, are better. But and they, Cam, Cam Talbot's had a a good season too. He has, but you know they were three six and and one in their last. 10 I, I i don't like the things that are sort of happening now so i couldn't put them in the list now and the rangers i picked them as a playoff team yes they're exceeding expectations but the last couple of days like ottawa has shown that there is a method to beating them even florida showed a couple of weeks ago there's a way to beat them and that's by yeah, trying right. to get there to stay back on them. if they got speed you got to stay back and then make them possess the puck and play a dump and chase and AV doesn't like to do that. And they're not built. They built that team. We talked about this in the offseason. I said it was either going to go one way or the other. I said it was either yeah. going to be a disaster or it's going to work. They basically copied the Penguins as a as a possession yeah. team, as a fast team, that they're going to just beat everyone off the puck. They're going to beat everyone to lose pucks. But they, they're not a team that's going to win a dump and chase game or they're not going to win board battles or cycle down low. They're not built that way. And I don't think they're great possession-wise either. They just They're very good at being opportunistic and they get their three or four game-breaking plays every game, and they have a good blue line. That's their and, – and a great goalie. That's their strength. Their defensemen are – the defensemen have done a great job of starting breakouts. You know, they yes. like you said, they don't possess the puck as much as – you know. Stahl, for the much maligned Mark Stahl, I had that conversation with him a couple of days ago, and he's really enjoying that because we all think, hey, Mark Stahl, you know, since the eye injury – has been like an average defenseman, right? But before that, he was great. Like, we knew right. how really – he was one of the top – actual top guys. He's an all-star. He's an all-star defenseman. Shutting down players in the league. But since then, he's had to sort of recoup his career a little bit, and now he's starting to be able to show a little bit of offense again, and it seems like that's been fun for him. So I'm happy for the guy. Yeah, and the uh, the Rangers play Carolina tonight. Jordan Stahl, Mark Stahl's brother. Which is, is a tough game. Yeah, oh, Carolina is one of the best five-on-five five teams, one of the best even-strength teams in the league. They they're well, in every game, and they've been, and they've been one of the hotter teams in the league with Stall. I mean, I, I saw Carolina play Toronto last week, and Jordan Stall, you know, he's same same as he's always been, very very sure defensively, a really good face-off guy. He's had a pretty decent year, but he's out with a concussion, so that's going to hurt Bill Peters' club a little bit. I will. I will tell you this, Mike. I saw them the whole third period and overtime. Or no, was there an overtime? I can't remember. Against, uh, I, I think there was an overtime against Florida in that loss, right, where they beat Florida and and Gallant got fired. The thing that really struck me was the Carolina blue line that we've been talking about played really solid. They have great faceoff guys. Like, they had Jay McClement taking key defensive zone faceoffs late in the game 
And I got to tell you, that's a great player to rely on for that. And, and that's a big deal because he was winning every draw. The drawback for Florida was when you have Yaromir Yager, if you're going to put him out the last minute and two or, the, or two of the game and know that he's going to play a full shift, not just 20 seconds, you've got to have him right in the corner or right near the net, and you've got to keep feeding him. They were not doing it. He was not getting in the play, and they played Marshall to death. And I understand he scored a goal in that game, and he's got 10 on the year. But if they really are going to pin their hopes on J.A. Marshall for the entire season, that's part of the problem right now. With, and, and I get that he's probably an analytics darling right now, yeah. but, but I get that's something that's not going to sustain. He's, like a, he's, a sal- he's a salary cap darling is what he is. Yeah. That production yeah. for that price. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering. I'm wondering whether this new, you know, the, the new administration with Rowe coming in as coach, whether this is going to be a positive for a guy like Yager or somebody, or maybe a, a negative in terms of his role being diminished. I mean, I mean, he had a great year last year, but he was playing with Barkov and Huberto. Huberto is out. He's probably going to be out until at least the new year. Barkov has had a terrible first 20 games. Uh, he's a good. He's a good player. I mean, I, you know, we talked about this yesterday, Dan. I th- I think that the the Florida Panthers are a tire fire right now. I think that they they've mismanaged they mismanaged their roster in the off season. They ch- they made way too many changes on their blue line, and now because of in you know they had Bukestad out, they had Huberdo out. They were a game over five hundred, and because they differed in philosophy from their head coach, they decided to take the first opportunity to axe him. And I I, I just think they they've. They had a lot of positive direction the last couple of years, and they've thrown it into the crapper with this firing. Yeah, that's fair. I think it is. I think you had a disconnect between coach and general manager, and they were just looking for an excuse to get him out, and they said they found a good opportunity. I mean, a couple weeks uh, was it just a week before the Panthers had won like three games in a row. They beat some good teams. Um, yeah. They're starting to get healthy. We can't discount what Huberto does to that team. Right. Uh, he makes by him and Barkov. They just work together and. Uh-huh. It takes the pressure off of Barkov, too. Yeah, I mean, Barkov's not the same without Hubro in there. No, he's not. It's, and, uh, you know, they get Bugsteg back, and he's going to be fine. He's going to contribute. Hopefully he stays healthy. Um, they, It's not so much their forwards. They they screwed up their blue line. I think that's yeah. what it is. They screwed up their blue line. Now, I mean, you, and you're seeing now, too, that Ekblad has struggled with more responsibility and Matheson, I, I both think both of those let's, kids are going to Let's be. not forget, I mean, they brought Dylan McElrath in, too. Gerard Gallant didn't do that. Well, no, not, he it's didn't. Not that, it's not that Ekblad is struggling with more responsibility. It's the fact that he can't find anybody to play with. Last right. year, he played with Willie Mitchell. Then he played with Brian Campbell. And, and it was just solid. It was just solid. stable. He has played – uh, when they played Toronto a couple weeks ago – they had already gone through Yandel. They had already gone through Jason Demers. They were playing him with Mark Pizik, and Mark Pizik is not a top-pairing defenseman. He's a good young defenseman, but he's not a top-pairing guy. Agreed. So the problem is is they didn't think of the fact that you have to have somebody to play with Ekblad, and, and Matheson was another guy that they tried and it didn't work. So, you know, that, that's the they, problem. They screwed up the veteran leadership on their blue line. Because yeah. they have some good young players back there. They just – the stability the, the stability they had back there, they got rid of. Uh, one of the other interesting games of the night, uh, the Blue Jackets play Tampa Bay. Uh, the, the Blue Jackets have the number one power play in the NHL, which is yes. surprising. Um, but, you know, but, you know, Wierenski's obviously a factor in that. But, but they're, you know, they're, they're getting, you know, guys like Nick Foligno have bounced back. They, they uh, you know, Boone Jenner and, and, uh, and Dubinsky have played a lot better. They're, they're, they're the guys who they have up front who 
you know, may not have really excited you. They really have stepped up along with Wenberg. Wenberg's been really good in the power play. Tampa Bay has not skipped a beat without Steven Stamkos. Kucherov is picking up the slack. Like we said, Russ, that if there was one team that could afford to lose a guy like Stamkos. It yeah. And I did that article on Ryan Callahan because he is a leader on the ice and in the locker room for that team. He steadies them. He gets what Cooper's trying to do. He knows what he needs to do out there. He's blocking shots. He's doing other things. It's not like he has to be a scorer for them. And that's a valuable guy to have because even though Steve Stamkos is the captain, Ryan Callahan was a three-year captain too. And so he's got, you know, he's got experience and that's been able to help him. Also, Slater Cuckoo be out being out now is gonna hurt him a little bit because that was a guy that I, I really think, like his I like his game a lot. Yeah, I think he was pretty unheralded what he was able to do with Matt Carl like retiring and leaving and you know, Cuckoo got out of spot there and now you're gonna see Suster more and so we'll see we'll see with that. We all make faces, but somehow John Dude. Cooper likes him. Yeah, I know. I know. He's a Cooperite. He's one of those guys. Like I said, you know, Corey Connor gets five, six chances in the NHL because he's he's one of John Cooper's favorites. I um, really, I, I hope Cougar get uh, Cuckoo gets back soon. But he he fits in that team, and he really looks like he's developing into a really nice NHL player. And uh, finally, the uh, the Sabers and a lot of people around this area are going to be very happy because Jack Eichel has been cleared to play. He will play against the Ottawa Senators tonight. Good. Uh, Eichel uh, was uh, suffered a high ankle sprain the practice before the opening game of the season. The Sabers are under 500, dying for offense. The only concern I would have, but you know, I'm sure that they probably check this out, is you know with high ankle sprains, the potential for re-injury. Is, let's not even go there. I don't even let's want to not talk go there. about that. Let's not jinx the guy. I'm not trying I'm, to jinx him. I'm, I'm whole because I he wouldn't be playing if he wasn't 100. percent Right. Okay. Well, there's no because there's no reason to rush him back early when he's right. you know there's no reason to rush a 20 year old back early right. when he's the franchise. That. I just want to be happy for the guy and watch the game and and see him get through a game. I don't even care if he scores. I'm just right. a big fan of the guy and I want to see him do well. That's all right, all. guys. Good show. Um, we will yep. be back tomorrow uh, with another edition. Probably we'll be doing a show later in the afternoon. Uh, we'll let you know uh, either via Twitter or uh, X uh, blog on Hockey Buzz. Uh, for Dan Petru, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.